Today on the Rotten or Righteous podcast, we ask the question, oh, is this season over yet? Welcome back to Rotten or Righteous, the show that shouts, no it's not, whenever someone insinuates that John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt is their name and our name too. Something happened with the audio recordings that we made together for season two, episode seven of The Chosen, so you are just stuck with me uh, today. And me, well, I'm Zach Geiler. As I said, we are going to be looking at the seventh episode of the second season of The Chosen that is titled Reckoning. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and and dive right into that. The episode opens up on a flyer that reads, Jesus of Nazareth, wanted for questioning. The world's worst Roman sneaky boy Atticus tears the flyer from the wall and goes to the Roman governor's headquarters. We don't know whose office this is, but at the very least we know it's not that shiny-headed dork, Quintus. I mean, we were just in Jerusalem. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to suddenly go to Capernaum. Plus, Quintus was the bane of season one. Surely Jenkins is smart enough not to bring him back. Oh, no. What? Why? Why, why would Dallas Jenkins do this? Why would he have Atticus bring information about Jesus right to Quintus? Why does this show constantly disappoint this season? Whatever, just play the theme song. After the opening credits, James, John, Peter, and Andrew are standing on the shore of Galilee having a rock-throwing competition. Whichever pair of brothers throws a rock the farthest gets to go back to be with Jesus, while the losers have to fish for the group. You see, Jesus is planning a big sermon, a special sermon, a sermon that will change everything, and the four former fishermen would rather be listening to the plan on how to put that sermon together than casting their nets for dinner. James and John win the contest and head back to Jesus while Peter and John start fishing. Back at their camp, Jesus is laying out the plans for this big, special oration. Some are going to be working security, others are going to be selling merch at the entrance, and knowing Dallas Jenkins, the rest are going to be working on stage lighting and smoke machines. After all, if there isn't a laser light display going on behind the preacher, is it even a real sermon? What Jesus really wants from his followers is for them to understand that the sermon will speak to every person there. What he will say will be more important than any sign or miracle he has performed. What Jesus will teach will be the foundation of their entire ministry. Meanwhile, Shmuel and Yusuf make it back to their old Pharisee school slash tabernacle in Capernaum. 
Shmuel asks the caretaker of the tabernacle, a man who is also named Yusuf, because why not make this entire episode super confusing? Just for the the sake of, of you, dear listener, I'll be referring to him as Yusuf too. Shmuel asks Yusuf too if he has seen an Ethiopian woman who was present when Jesus healed the leper outside of town. Turns out the Ethiopian woman was evangelizing Jesus' deeds in the nearby town of Magdala. Having lost the bet, Peter and Andrew are out fishing, and Andrew currently has no chill. Andrew is stressed out because Jesus is making noise and catching people's attention everywhere they go. He's worried that Jesus will end up rotting in prison like John if he keeps being so public. Shmuel and Yusuf find their way to Quintus's office, and thankfully the Roman polyp isn't there. However, the two Pharisees report to the secretary that they have information about Jesus, that he was in Jerusalem less than a week ago. And the secretary just says, yeah, we already know that. Matter of fact, we'll be arresting him tomorrow. Uh, Thanks for coming by. Bye-bye now. But before they go, the Pharisees ask for an opportunity to question Jesus when they bring him in, a request that the Roman refuses. As they are shown the door, Shmuel says, Do not underestimate him. A nearby guard unsheathes his sword and warns, Do not underestimate this. And I realize that I have made the mistake of underestimating just how stupid the dialogue on this show can get. A group of Romans, led by none other than Matthew's old babysitter from last season, is on the march to take Jesus into custody. Marching with them is Atticus. He's coming along because he's intrigued by Jesus. After all, I saw a man who had not stood on his own two feet in half a century, bounding like a boy. I watched a martyr throw down his weapon and take a knee. I saw a lunatic's eyes go clear. Jesus of Nazareth did those things. He doesn't strike me at all as threatening or scary. And that scares me. Well, maybe I'm just interested to see how he'll take to wrist irons. And now he wants to see how Jesus reacts to a Roman threat. Back on the boat, Andrew is still flipping out and Peter's trying to calm him down. Andrew reveals why he's so angry. He's mad at Mary Mags for leaving the camp for two days. He blames her for provoking Jesus into going into the synagogue in Wadi Kelt and healing the man with the withered hand. And that incident put the Lord even more on the radar of the Pharisees, which put Jesus in even more danger. Peter tries to calm his brother down by telling him to lay off Mary Max. She made a mistake and was forgiven. But, you know, Peter may be right. But I still agree with Andrew. They should probably shun Mary Max. Unfortunately, before Andrew makes this suggestion, they see a band of Romans approaching the camp and rush to row the boat ashore. Back at the camp, Jesus' instructions are interrupted by the Romans. The Lord signals for his chosen to remain calm and keep planning for the event, and he promises them that he will be back. Matthew's former babysitter approaches the chosen and asks Jesus if he will peacefully be detained for questioning. Jesus says yes and asks if he could say goodbye to Mama Mary, a request that is allowed. As Jesus' wrists are bound... Jesus tells the former babysitter of Matthew that, well, his former charge is doing just really good. And the Roman comes closer and whispers, Are you sure? Because you guys look hungry and dirty, and my baby's a growing boy who needs his num-nums. 
And Jesus whispers back, bro, this just got weird. Can we go? With that, Jesus is led to Quintus. Once Jesus is gone, the fallout of his arrest hits the chosen. And what amazes me about this scene is just how accurately this scene would have been to the Bible if any of the four Gospels mentioned the first arrest of Jesus. I mean, certainly this wouldn't be something that that Dallas Jenkins just pulled out of his butt, would it? I mean, the implications of Jesus being arrested twice are are just too far-reaching. He must have some inside source that reveals to him some things that, well, the Bible just didn't have time to say. But the Chosen are losing their minds, and Andrew is at the head of everyone losing their minds, and he yells at Mary Mags for leaving. And then ultimately, Andrew's calmed down by Philip as they decide to run to Capernaum and wait for Jesus to be released. Shmuel and Yusuf make their way through the streets of Magdala, searching for an Ethiopian woman. They come across another Pharisee who is in the middle of some awesome prayer dancing and will not be interrupted by the two visitors, no matter what. Thankfully, a nearby beggar knows where they might find an outspoken Ethiopian lady. Back at the camp, the Chosen are arguing about what Jesus meant by the highly vague and hard-to-understand instructions he gave to his followers. Remember, he did say, wait, he will be back. What in the world could that mean? Simon, the former member of the ancient Hobbit Hole Zealot hit squad, and James and John, the Sons of Thunder, think that Jesus clearly meant for the Chosen to go and bust him out of the joint. And this is the second time... In, what, two episodes? Three episodes that a jailbreak has been teased by Dallas Jenkins. I'm telling you right now, dear listeners, that if there is not an awesome heist-like jailbreak by season three, I'm going to be done with this show. I mean, you added a second arrest, why not add a jailbreak just for fun? However, the Chosen all agree that Simon, James, and John are pretty stupid for thinking that Jesus' words meant a violent act. And how did they come to this conclusion? Well, that's simple. Mary Mags tells them what Jesus meant. To literally wait. And they all accept that explanation because, well, it's what Mary Mags has said. Andrew and Philip don't make it to Capernaum, but they go to Magdala because halfway through the show, that's where Quintus's office moved for some reason. Seriously, I feel like Dallas Jenkins thinks that he has the dumbest audience in the world. Last season it made it pretty clear that Quintus's headquarters was in Capernaum. But because of Jenkins' own made-up story, the director just moves it to a different city halfway through an episode and hope no one notices. Are you saying I'm stupid? No. Do I look stupid to you? Anyway, the first people the two apostles come across are an Ethiopian woman preaching next to the healed paralytic that was lowered through the roof in Capernaum last season. Again, why are they in Magdala? Who knows? They are up on stage. They're singing the praises of Jesus and his works to a hostile crowd that seems to be basically just made up with Pharisees. Andrew sees this as a threat and shuts down the Ethiopian's testimony real quick. Meanwhile, Jesus is led to Quintus's office and is told to take a seat in front of the shiny-headed governor. I don't know if I hate this scene or love it, so I'm just going to give you the audio of it verbatim. Jesus of Nazareth. We finally meet. Here I am. I thought you'd be sort of 
taller. Crazier looking. Ah, wild hair and animal skins. Glad I could disappoint you. The first story I ever heard about you. I didn't believe it. That's usually how it goes. It wasn't about religion or preaching or God. It was about fish. Ah, another common theme. It was an impossibly huge catch, Atticus. It settled the largest debt in Capernaum's ledger. Uh, did, did you meet Atticus? He's Cohorte's urban name. They're like Caesar's personal detectives, mostly in Rome, but uh, they go wherever. He's especially interested in you. Have you ever visited the Far East, Jesus? I have received visitors from there, but um, never been there myself. They eat their fish raw. Peel off the scales, cut off the heads and tails, and take a bite. It's quite something. They eat the flesh and spit out the bones. Of course. If Simon had not settled his debt, that could have resulted in my demotion. That was flesh. You create a public disruption that results in damage to property, a stampede, and a blight on my personal reputation. Hmm. Bones. You seduced the single most brilliant and effective tax collector in the entire Upper Galilee. Also, bones. And now, the most tenured cohortis urbani in the history of the Roman Empire tells me he personally witnessed you disarm a zealot Sicarii. Well, that's flesh. That's flesh. Sorry to have caused so much confusion for you over flesh and bone. Confusion? No. <laughs> no. If your race weren't so repugnant and odious, I'd offer you a job. I cannot take that as a compliment. Jesus, this whole thing is very simple. You seem to be splitting your time between creating headaches for Rome and victories we could not achieve ourselves. That's a little reductive. You've doubled your following since leaving Capernaum. Then again, you returned a violent man who had been terrorizing Jericho to his senses. But word of your miracles, or whatever, has spread all through Syria, and they start coming over here. Do you see my problem? I don't know whether to eat you or spit you out. Never mind. I hate it. I hate it. It's a dumb scene. Quintus is dumb, and so's the show. Basically, the scene ends with the governor threatening Jesus with terminal death if he doesn't stop being a nuisance. Jesus says that he can't promise not to cause issues, and Quintus finally says, Go, Jesus of Nazareth, I like you. We're on the same team. Just don't make me kill you. I won't make you do anything. But my father, on the other hand. I don't know what that means, but let's leave on a high note. And Jesus is free to go. Yusuf and Shmuel arrive to the stage where the Ethiopian eunuch and the healed paralyzed man were preaching to the hostile crowd, but they quickly learn that they just missed them. By chance, the two Pharisees come across the rabbi from Wadi Kelt, the one that yelled at Jesus last week for interrupting his sermon and then healing on the Sabbath. Well, they go off to compare notes on how much they hate Jesus. In a nearby alley, Andrew and Philip are talking to the healed paralytic and the Ethiopian woman that they drew off the stage in just some back alley somewhere that they could have easily been found. Seriously, how Shmuel and Yusuf did not find these two is beyond me, other than cuz. That's the only reason they didn't find them, just because if they did, then the story wouldn't happen. 
it's lazy writing, but I, I digress. These these four are talking, and then out of nowhere, Yusuf too appears in disguise. And he warns the street evangelists that they're in danger because Shmuel and Yusuf One are looking for them. And if they find them, the Pharisees will twist their testimony into ammo to use against Jesus. Yusuf Two tells Andrew to get the Ethiopian woman and the formerly lame man out of town. And Andrew says that he doesn't trust Yusuf Two, and asks why he's helping them. And Yusuf Two says, that's none of your business, but I'll tell you anyways. Seriously, the writing in this episode is really, really bad. Andrew, get her out of here. I don't trust you. Why are you helping? That's my business. But so that you'll do as I ask. I believe my rabbi Nicodemus saw something remarkable in your master. Shmuel is threatened by what he can't comprehend. Worse, he's ambitious. Shmuel does not honor Nicodemus's teaching. After this explanation, the former paralytic says that he's going to stay in the city for some reason and lay low. You should go with Andrew. What will you do? I'll lay low. Disappear until things go quiet. What if things don't go quiet? I hope they don't. But it's a good idea. We separate for now. Makes no sense whatsoever. I don't know. Maybe uh, he just doesn't feel like walking. But the Ethiopian lady does decide to follow Andrew back to camp. And so we have another Chosen. It's nighttime when Jesus strolls back into the Chosen camp. And apparently his followers noticed that he had been released for hours, but chose to wander around outside of the camp and pray before coming back to his followers. And John scolds Jesus for making them worry longer than they had to. And I kind of side with John here. I mean, it's really inconsiderate when you think all these people are following you around. They think you've been arrested, but you've been freed. And instead of coming back and telling them that you're okay, you're just walking around and praying. Now, keep in mind, I am not going against Jesus because he was never arrested the first time. So we don't know how Jesus would react to this. This is what happens when you just make up stuff that have no biblical bearing. You really just write some some stupid mistakes that, well, don't make a lot of sense. John scolds Jesus for making them worry. Jesus responds, dude, I, t I told you I'd be back. How's the planning coming for our big summer sermon concert series? Try to say that three times fast. And then he, and then Jesus goes on to say that, that these guys, the Chosen, better learn to step up when they're afraid because things are going to get harder. And the Chosen promise to do better. And then ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. And of course, Jesus does, and he teaches the model prayer. I'd like to learn more about what you're saying when you're out alone. Now. Now you're behaving like true students. This is what I like to see. And prayer is the first step in getting the mind and the heart right. It's why you see me go to it so often. So teach us to pray like you do. Please. When we pray, we want to be sure to first start with acknowledging our Father in heaven and his greatness. So you can say, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. And we always want to be sure to do God's will and not our own. So we say, your kingdom come. Fairly good scene after Jesus walks into the camp and asks about his summer sermon concert series. And so we, we get Jesus teaching them the model prayer. It fades out. It's a very lovely moment. And after everyone goes to bed, Jesus wakes Matthew up so the former tax collector can help him 
organize his thoughts and write down his big sermon. By the way, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount here. We'll save it for next week. After everyone goes to bed, Jesus wakes up Matthew. 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 Rabbi. Sorry to wake you, Matthew. Are you in trouble? I don't want you to wake the others. Nothing is wrong. Why did you wake me up and not the others? I've been forming fragments of teaching in my mind for some months now in preparation for the sermon. I'm ready to organize them. I'll get my writing materials. You've just returned from detention. Will these teachings make things worse? I'm here to make things better, not worse, Matthew. But I mean, for all of us who love you. No promises. Let's go. It must be tonight. The time has come. End of the episode. Alright, so that was it for The Chosen Season 2, Episode 7. Sorry the episode this week was so short. I'm sure that the recording was just chock full of laughs that, well, we're just not going to get to because they're corrupted or I deleted them, or something happened to the audio, and I just do not know where it is, and so I apologize for that. But sometimes these things happen. At least we were able to get an episode out this week. As always, thank you for listening to us. Uh, I, I truly and honestly appreciate the support and the downloads we've been getting here lately. But please, if you like the show, tell someone about it. Let's get more people listening. Uh, give us five stars if you're listening to us on iTunes. Uh, it helps get the word out even more. And and really just keep tuning in. But until next time, I'm Zach Geiler. But before we go, I would love to tell you a joke about construction, but I'm still working on it. Good night, everybody. Thank you.